0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So let's just have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for your presence. Father, we choose this morning, intently choose to step into the glory cloud this morning, into your presence into the holy place where you dwell father not this building father that's not what we're talking about we're talking about just your presence the glory the weighty cloud of your glory lord that we are going to step into this morning we expect great things today we expect mighty things today father we expect more souls today jesus and we know that you're going to do exactly what you promised you would do. Bless this word this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, so we're going to bring this thing in for a landing today, maybe. <laughs> I, When I first started, I, I had talked to you about a book. Uh, we've chosen and been... Using Second or First Peter two twenty one for our kind of our target text for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that you should follow in His steps. And the, the book that um, was written out of this that verse back in the late eighteen hundreds called "In His Steps," written by a man named Charles Sheldon. And it's the chronicle of how um, through different circumstances that five people in this church decide that they're going to go one year, and they make a determination they're going to go one year. And they're not going to do anything without first asking themselves the question, what would Jesus do? And then go according to what they know Jesus would do in that. It is amazing as you read that book how radically their lives were changed from doing that. Um, it is so important for us to understand that even walking in love and learning the, the aspects and all, all the, there is so much about this that you, you can't cover it in two months. You can't cover, I don't think you could cover it in a year just talking about how important it is that we we learn how to walk in love. We learn how to be, let the love of God be expressed through us. I found something this week, and I I had read this once before. Um, Amy Carmichael, I don't know if you've heard of her, she was uh, a missionary. She started an orphanage in India. She was from Ireland, I think, yay for the Irish, but anyway, she, she, she pretty much, as a very young lady, she was, I don't even think she was, I don't even think she was out of her teens, and she knew she was, and she couldn't find anybody, to, she couldn't find any missionary society that would sponsor her to go. And finally, one did, and and she went and she established an orphanage there in India. And I remember reading this, and she wrote this. If I have not compassion on my fellow servant, even as the Lord had pity on me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can easily discuss the shortcomings and sins of others, If I can speak in a casual way even of a child's misdoings, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can enjoy a joke at the expense of another, if I can in any way slide another in conversation or even in thought, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can write an unkind letter, speak an unkind word, think an unkind thought without grief and shame, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I am afraid to speak the truth, lest I lose affection or lest the one concerned should say you do not understand or because I fear to lose my reputation of being kind. If I put my own good name before others' highest good, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If souls can suffer alongside, and I hardly know it, because the spirit of discernment is not in me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I myself If I myself dominate myself, if my thoughts revolve around myself, if I am so occupied with myself that I really have a heart at leisure from itself, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I cannot in honest happiness take the second place or the 20th, if I cannot take the first without making a fuss about my unworthiness, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I do not give a friend the benefit of a doubt, but put the worst construction ahead of the best on what is said or done, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I take offense easily, if I am content to continue in a cool unfriendliness, though friendship be possible, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If a sudden jar can cause me to speak an impatient, unloving word, then I know nothing of Calvary love. For a cup brimful of sweet water cannot spill even one drop of bitter water. However, suddenly jolted. If I say yes, I forgive, but I cannot forget. Then, as though the God who twice a day washes all the sands of the seas on the shores around the world could not wash again the memories from my mind, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Wow. I read that again. And I thought, you know, there is so much about this that has to be a continual process, and it has to be a continuing process in us. We're going to talk today just for a bit about the importance of sanctification and love, the importance of sanctification and love. We're going to start with, uh, in the book of Ephesians, and uh, chapter five, and just read the first two verses of, of Ephesians five, one and two. It says, "Therefore, be imitators of God, as dear children. Walk in love, as Christ has loved us. Walk in love." as Christ has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling aroma. So Paul says here, he says, to be an imitator of God. He says, walk in love just like Christ walked in love. And then he goes on to, to, to describe Christ's love. He offered himself as an offering. He gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. William Penn said, Love is the hardest lesson in Christianity. But for that reason, it should be our care to learn it. The greatest process, and I think the most the biggest mistake we make and the biggest error we make, uh, even, I, I know for, especially for me, it's not understanding the importance of sanctification in love, learning love and sanctification. Now, normally you don't think of those two going together, but they absolutely go together. Believers who are really wanting to learn how to walk in the real love of God in lives, there's only one way to do this, and that is to learn how to draw that love from the Holy Spirit. Only one way to do it, and that is to draw that love from the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5, we've quoted this scripture several times, that his love is shed abroad in our hearts. How? by the holy spirit so unless we have the work of the holy spirit and we're we're and, and and the holy spirit is working in us we we don't have the capacity to shed the love of god abroad because it's through the holy spirit through the work of the holy spirit in us that we do that if the holy spirit if holy spirit is not active actively moving in your life then it's you can't shed you can't you can't manifest what you don't have the only way you can get the holy spirit to release his love into you is that you have to be willing to enter into a true sanctification process with the lord where he can begin to start the process of transforming us into the express image of his son Jesus. I'll say that again. The only way you can get Holy Spirit to release his love into you is that you have to be willing to undergo the act of sanctification. Because that's when he begins to make us that, that's part that act of sanctification is what begins to transform us, change us from what we are into the image of Christ. You can go back a chapter in Ephesians 4, and it says this in the first two, two verses. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling, of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. And I like the way the the, the, Mace, uh, uh, the amplified version says this. It says, "So I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility." Forsaking self righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control and with patience, and bearing one another in unselfish love. Paul said, I'm beseeching you, I'm appealing to you that you walk in that that process of sanctification. I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, you never never get past, and Kathy and I were just having this conversation last night on the way home, you never get past that point of where you do not need direction, where you do not need correction, where you do not need Holy Spirit speaking into your life saying, wait, wait, don't go that way. This is how I want you to go. This is the way I want you to to move. You never outgrow that. We will not outgrow that, and we won't get past that until we get to heaven, and we won't have need for it anymore. But until that time, the the process of sanctification has to be taking place in our life every day because without it, our walk grows stale. Without it, our walk grows powerless. We We don't keep the power the resurrection power of Christ working through us unless we're going through that sanctification process. It's only when the very love of God himself starts to flow into your personality that you can even begin to love God and love like God. You can't, you can't find your, we talk a lot about finding your, your godly identity your identity in Christ, you can't find that unless you are going through this process of sanctification daily. Paul said, he said, I die daily, not just once in a while. I don't die once a week. He said, I die daily. That means you're, you're the manifest, the, the, the presence of Christ and the power of Christ is manifesting yourself more than just on Sunday morning. When you get to work on Monday morning and that cranky boss comes up to you, you're still manifesting the love of Christ. The love of Christ is still flowing out of you because you're realizing, I I have to do this daily. I, I know none of you have ever done this, but I've tried to do it like that. And without exception, it usually ends up in a spiritual train wreck somewhere along the line. I say something I shouldn't say. I do something that I shouldn't do. I go down a thought path that I shouldn't go. Until I am willing to say, this has to be a daily process with me. I don't get to take any time off of this. I don't get to take any, any step back from this. I have to continue, continue, continue to grow in this. Just as Jesus was able to walk in perfect love, in his words, his actions with other people, we have to learn how to walk in that same godly love. If we allow Holy Spirit to enter us into this sanctification process, where God the Father can then begin to establish the spiritual discipline of agape in our lives, John thirteen thirty five says this, and, and, and I'm sure it's a scripture you probably all. No one could quote. John thirteen thirty five says this. If I can find it, John thirteen thirty five. He says this, but this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples because you speak in tongues a lot, no. uh-uh. uh, no. because you're moving the gift of prophecy. Because you give a lot on Sunday, because you tithe. No, he said, they're going to know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. The, the, this is how it says it in, in uh, the Amplified Bible. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have loved and have unselfish concern for one another. If you look over at John first John or second John 1:5 this and, and it says now i ask you not as if i were writing to you a new commandment but simply reminding you of the one which we have had from the beginning that we love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. John is saying the same thing that that, that he heard Jesus say he said, I'm, I'm not giving you a new commandment. I'm not giving you something that you haven't heard before. But what I am telling you is, is this. You have to love. You have to be... I listen. Guys, I'm living this out in real time right now. As, I, as, I'm, as I've been sharing this with you, I, I'm living this out in real time. I've just, ha- just sat this week and had a conversation with somebody about this this very thing. And I told them, I said, you don't have a choice who you're going to love. You're going to call yourself a Christian. You're going to call yourself a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. You, don't, you can't decide who you're going to love and who you're not going to love. Right. Yeah. You can't. Not if you're going to be a disciple of Christ. Not if you're going to be an imitator of Christ. You're going to love Regardless, you're going to love in spite. You're going to love no matter what. Because Jesus said that's how they're going to know you're my disciple. That's how they're going to recognize the fact that you're my disciple. Is if you love. And we we cannot walk in that unless we are making it a lifestyle. It has to be a lifestyle. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's easy. I can do that. Oh, really? This person I was talking to this week told me, told me this. They said, I, I, can't, I won't step out into making myself vulnerable unless I know it's safe for me to do that. I said, really? I said, first of all, That's an unrealistic expectation to think you're going to go through this life being safe. I don't read anywhere in this word where Jesus said, go with you therefore and be safe. (laughs) He didn't say that, did he? You cannot have your love tested. You cannot cannot know how much you are loving like Jesus unless you are put in a position where you have to. You can't. This idea of, of, you know, I have to be in my safe place. There is no safe place for a believer, except in Christ. That's your safe place if you're in Christ. But listen, for us to be what we're supposed to be, we're going to be put in some mighty uncomfortable situations, some mighty uncomfortable times. Sometimes where the love of Christ is gonna it's gonna take everything within us and it's gonna take all the power of Christ in us to express love. So we we we've been talking about the what 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 what, sanctifi- what is sanctification? What is it? What's the word sanctification means? It's a state of condition or condition of being set apart The process of making us stand out or be different. That's what sanctification is. It's the process of making us stand out or be different. And as as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, how can can you? And I was telling this person, because they told me, they said, well, and we were talking about love and loving somebody and they said well i can love them but i don't have to have them in my life and I, I i i shook my head i said did you did you listen to what you just said i said okay so let's follow your logic here let's let's follow your logic here for a minute i said so really if that's the truth i said do you do you, do you not you, you agree that we're supposed to be like Jesus. They said, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, we're supposed to be like Jesus. So I said, according to your logic, when Jesus was dealing with his disciples, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew it. There was no doubt in his mind. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that Peter was going to walk. He knew that the whole bunch, when when push came to shove, they were were going to hit the high trail. And Jesus could have said, by your logic, Jesus could have said, well, I love you, but because you're going to do that, I'm not going to make you a part of my life. I said, no. I said, what did Jesus do? I said, he poured into Judas just as much as he did the rest of the disciples. When he was teaching, he didn't say, this is for you, 11 Judas, you can go do something else because I know you're going to betray me, so I'm not going to waste my time on you. I'm not going to put any effort into you because you. I know what you're going to do. No, he sat right there. He sat right there with the other 11. He heard every word that Jesus said, and Jesus poured into him just as much as he did the other 11 disciples. So I said According to your logic, that's what Jesus should have done. And of course, no response. Because you can't, you can't, what can you say? No, you can't say that because that's not how Jesus dealt with people. He knew they were going to say, crucify him. He knew that they were going to call for his death, but he still. Poured into them. He still poured his love. Into he he even loved, believe it or not, even though you read the things he said, he loved the Pharisees and he loved the Sadducees. And he loved those religious elite that were going to call for his death. And he still spoke into them. He still tried to get them to see. And he still exhibited love toward them. Once the Holy Spirit starts to transmit his quality of love into the very core of of your personality your responsibility then becomes how to walk that love out in your words and your actions in your deeds you see the the capacity is already here if you're a believer the capacity to love like Jesus loved is already here just like his resurrection power is all of it the capacity to love Is already here. You have to learn how to walk that out. You have to learn to have the discipline to walk it out. You have to learn the discipline in your life when that person says something and it just rubs you six ways from Sunday wrong. Instead of thinking about that, instead of letting that get into your mind and your spirit, no, you let the love of Christ take over that. And what's the... Paul said in, in, first, in 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't take account of offense. You, don't, you, you can get to the place. I have to calm down. <laughs> you have to get to the place, and you can get to the place. And we talked about this last week, I believe, where you could say like Paul, nothing moves me. None of these things move me. Where You are so rooted and grounded like we talked about last week in love. (laughs) Nothing. Anybody, I can't read where Jesus ever took offense at anybody. Personally, took personal offense. Now, he might have taken some offense on the sake of the Father and because of the Father. And really, you can't call it offense. He just did some correction. But we have to figure out, folks. Each one of us has to figure out in ourselves and for ourselves because we are not all the same. We have to figure out in ourselves how to get this, how do we become, set? how do we let Holy Spirit set us apart? And I will say it again, you're not going to be set apart because of what you do. You're going to be set apart because of what Jesus does and how Jesus can manifest himself through you. Once the Holy Spirit begins to transmit that quality of loving, we have to learn how to do that. We are going to have to learn how to defeat our flesh. We've talked about this before in this, but we are going to have to learn how to defeat our flesh. I read this in, a, in, a, in one of the commentaries The flesh is our enemy for it demands to sit on the throne of our heart and is God's enemy for it demands to sit in his place. Our human nature is completely and utterly deceptive. It will allow us to worship and praise God and as long as it has the final say it will even compliment us for our good living. (laughs) Do you know that the enemy's most effective weapon is not Barack Obama. <laughs> the, the devil's most effective weapon is not Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or George Soros. That—that that, You know what his most effective weapon is? The person who sits in church every Sunday and declares himself to be a Christian but knows nothing of Christ. That's his most effective weapon, because when he gets that person gets out into the world, and there may I've I've I have seen this so many times. I am so tired of seeing pictures of on Facebook about people talking about Jesus sitting at a bar with a drink in their hand. Even I, 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 I I've had it to hear. Well, you're not walking in love. Oh, yes, I am. I didn't say I didn't love them. I said, I'm just tired of their activity. I'm tired of their witness because that's what the enemy uses with the world because they don't see any difference. They don't see any set apart. They don't see anything that's set apart. There's nothing that sets us apart from the world. We look like them. We act like them. We talk like them. We think like them. I heard a preacher say this, not, I think it was John Kilpatrick. I was listening to one of his messages. He said that there is a great percentage of Christians who do not know what it is to walk in the Spirit. He said they'll sit in church every Sunday. He said they've made a confession of faith, they're saved. But they have not figured out and they have not in the Word and gotten into the Word to the place where they need to, where they understand that there is a way to walk in the Spirit. There is a manner of walk that we have in the Spirit that allows Him to manifest through us. Huh. The love that is from God successfully changes the heart and turns one from sinful behavior, while human love continues to follow the interests and desires of our human nature. Let's say that again. The love that is from God successfully changes the heart and turns us from sinful behavior, while human love continues to follow the interests and desires of our human nature so whatever nature you're following you're going to you're going to manifest that nature you can say you're a christian you can say you're a believer till the cows come home but if it's not being manifested from your life then you have no you have no witness to that wow you're quiet <laughs> God works his love into us by conforming us to Christ. God works his love in us by conforming us to Christ. A couple of scriptures here Romans 8, 29, out of the New Living Translation, said this For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become his, like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. Every one of us, every one of us, when God, when we got saved and we gave our heart to the Lord, I'll go back even further that, when we were created, God's design for us was to be conformed to the image of his son before we were ever created that was God's intent Now, obviously some of us haven't some, there, are, there are those that haven't, haven't fulfilled that but it's not because that wasn't God's design it's not because that's not what God wanted 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the New Living Translation says so all of us have had the veil removed can see And reflect the the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's why this is a daily process. We have to be transformed every day. We have to be changed every day into the glory of Christ. His glory has to become more and more manifested in our lives. Again, you, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you never get past that place where the glory of God cannot be manifested in your life. It should always be manifested in our lives. It should always be shown. When people see us, when people talk to us, when we encounter people, when we interact with people, they should know. There's something different about that person. And you know what it's going to be? It's going to be the love of Christ through us. And I've said it before. The love of Christ will reach people when nothing else can. You can't preach hell to everybody. Try preaching hell to an addict. Try preaching hell to someone that's been caught up in, in trafficking. Try preaching hell to somebody like that and they'll say, I'm there. I'm in hell. I live in hell. But You can always preach the love of Christ to somebody. The love of Christ will soften a heart like nothing else can. I know everybody makes their own, they have their own decisions to make. They make their own choices. But I'm telling you, and Pastor Sean said it before, Holy Spirit can be mighty, mighty convincing. The love of God can be mighty, mighty convincing. What was it that brought you to Christ? Was it the fact that you were going to go to hell? Or was it the fact that you heard that Jesus loved you so much that he took your sin on himself, that he paid the penalty for your sin, that he took everything wrong that you had done and placed it on his son so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be free, so that you could have fellowship with him? I will guarantee you 95% of you here this morning, that's what, that's what brought you to Christ. That's what brought you to him, was his love. And that's what's going to bring others to him as they see that love, as they see us being, as it, we, they see us manifesting his love as we are going through the sanctification process, as we are going through the set-apart process. God works his love to us by conforming us to Christ. This is what changes our nature. This is what tells us God's predestined purpose for every Christian is to conform them to Christ. This is His will. This is His stated purpose in every single born again Christian. The word conforms, it simply means to be jointly formed. Jointly formed. It means to have the same nature as Christ. His divine nature becomes our nature. He fills our life with himself so that we think, we act, we talk, and we love like he loves. When Jesus fills our hearts with himself, we don't see people the way we used to see them. You know what? I think the one thing that, it, that I, I have to be honest with you myself, this has, this has radically changed me. It has. I don't see people the way I used to see them. I don't see people. I just a couple weeks ago, we were, I was walking in the store, and uh, I seen this these two ladies coming toward me, and and I, I knew I I knew they were lesbians. I just knew it. I could tell it in my spirit. And the one gal's face, her whole, one whole side of her face was tattooed, and the other side was. But you know what? This has gotten such a grip on me when I when I walk past them the first thing that came to my mind was oh Jesus they need you Jesus they need you and I wasn't it wasn't because of what they were or wasn't because of how they looked it was because my spirit the compassion of Christ was here and I felt what Jesus felt I did I I felt how Jesus felt. And that's what happens when we start to be transformed and we start to be that sanctification process. Folks, we begin to feel like Jesus feels. We don't just act like he acts, we actually get his heart is what beats inside of us. His divine nature becomes our nature when Jesus fills our hearts with himself and we see people the way he sees them our behavior our thinking our ambitions our priorities are all determined by the love of God Paul said in 2 Corinthians five 14, let's read it real quick here 2 Corinthians I'm about done It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. And this is out of the New Living Translation. Since we believe Jesus died for us all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human standpoint. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. The King James says, Paul said that the love of Christ constrained him. What was he saying? He was saying, the love of God has overcome me. I am overcome by the love of God. Figurative speaking, Paul was put into the squeegee cage of God's love. He found the love of God to be a force that he could not escape. And it forever changed the way he related to God and to people. Paul experienced the love of God and was so changed by it that he no longer saw men the way one normally would. He no longer saw them after the flesh. Constrained, that word constrained means literally to hold together or to press together or to close by holding together. The love of God in us overcomes impatience. It overcomes envy. It overcomes pride. It overcomes bitterness, anger, hatred. All the things that choke out love because it finds no pleasure in them. I'm going to say that again. It binds out impatience. It binds out envy. It overcomes bitterness, pride, anger, hatred because it doesn't find any pleasure in them. You come to the place in your walk with Christ where you don't find any pleasure in being angry. Well, I just have to express myself. No, you don't. (laughs) I just have to speak my mind. No, you don't. I just have to let people know how I feel. No, you don't. Not if the love of Christ constrains you. I I, I, I just can't let that pass. I can't let that go. Yes, you can. If the love of Christ constrains you. I can't accept that person because of what they did. Yes, you can if the love of Christ constrains you. I can't forget what they did to me. Yes, you can if the love of Christ constrains you. Oh, I know. He goes on. This I was in reading this. Uh, uh, one of the commentaries I said is it says if we enjoy these things, impatience, envy, pride, bitterness, anger, hatred. I, I, can you imagine somebody enjoying that stuff? But yet, there's people who who, who continue to walk and and will not change. Their behavior will not let themselves be conformed to Christ. So what other what other conclusion can you make than that they enjoy it? I told this person the other day that I was talking to, I said, I am sick and tired of seeing you live a joyous life. I'm I'm tired of watching you live with no joy. You're a Christian, you're a believer. How can you not, how can you let these things keep you from walking in the joy of the Lord? How can you let them rob you of your joy? Why do you let them rob you of your joy? When you have everything inside of you to overcome it, you have everything inside of you. You have the very nature of God Almighty inside of you that overcomes that stuff. Love of God overcomes us. And if we enjoy these things, then we will continue to live in them. We give ourselves to what we enjoy. (laughs) Think about that now. You're walking around angry at somebody, then you're giving yourself to what you enjoy. You enjoy living that way. Or else you change. Change. You enjoy living in bitterness or else you would let the Lord take that out of your life and you would refuse to walk in it. Oh, isn't this fun? It is. Hallelujah. If we fill our lives with the love of God, then we will give ourselves to the love of God because we will enjoy righteousness, holiness, truth, if we're a believer, if we're when, as a believer, those are the things we should be enjoying. We should be enjoying life. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to walk around like we look like we've lost our last our last friend in the world. How do you say that? Baptized, baptized in prune juice or lemon juice? Prune juice, lemon juice. Yeah, that too. and we're going to wrap this up with this after all of this and after all of Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 he starts out 1 Corinthians 14:1 simply saying this pursue love pursue love that word means to follow or to press hard after literally pursue as one does a fleeing enemy it means to chase, to go after with a desire of obtaining. It gives us a picture of going on the track of something like the hounds on a hunt. Pursue is a strong word that serves to remind us that love can be an elusive thing. In other words, we do not find love by wishful thinking or by half-hearted effort. We have to pursue it eagerly every day. If we are going to find it operating in our lives as we should, as a church, if we make love our top pursuit, we will discover that our capacity to minister to those around us grows and expands. I'm done, but with this, you want to know why our church is expanding like it is? You want to know why church is growing like it is? It's because when people come in here, they see the love of Christ. They feel the love of Christ. But I also know this. God's taken us to a greater measure of grace. He's taken us to a greater measure of grace. You haven't seen anything yet. But also when growing in that measure of grace, that love is going to have to grow exponentially with it. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.